This is episode two of a hand lettering podcast, beginners hand lettering tools and equipment. Welcome to the hand lettering podcast. I'm Tan Love, hand lettering artist with a degree in art and design and more than 10 years experience specialising in pencil illustrations. I write and create for letteringtutorial.com, a place to find tutorials, interviews, resources and more. Join me as I talk about all things lettering. Welcome to the second episode. It's great to be back after the first episode went live around two weeks ago. I've had some really encouraging feedback on the podcast so far, uh, despite it being in its early days. Uh, One person commented saying, wow, this is amazing, got to check it out. And somebody else also said, this is awesome. I'm going to check it out. I listen to podcasts while I'm lettering all the time, so this is great. I've looked for good lettering podcasts and haven't found any. Congrats. So that's really, really great to hear because that's one of the main reasons why I decided to create this podcast was so that you could letter and listen and learn about lettering at the same time. So um, that's really great to hear that other people are realising that that's what you can do with this podcast series. Since the first episode of the podcast went live, there's been a couple of little updates on where the podcast is now available to listen to. So it was on iTunes when it first went live. So if you haven't already, I recommend subscribing on iTunes if that's the main platform that you use, because that way then you'll be able to stay up to date with all future episodes. It's also now, as of a couple of days ago, available on Stitcher too. So if you use Android, that's great because you can now listen to it quite easily through Stitcher on an Android phone. So those are the two main places to find the podcast at the moment. Um, I probably will try and add one or two more um, as I go on and as I discover them. (laughs) As I mentioned in the first episode of the podcast, The show notes will all be available on letteringtutorial.com forward slash podcast. You can also find a link to that in the menu on letteringtutorial.com. So if you just look for podcast in the menu, it will also take you to the page with the show notes on. As of the first episode as well, I decided for consistency and to make the episodes and show notes easy for you to find too, that I start to use the ending of the website address hand lettering podcast one for the show notes. So for example, episode one is hand lettering podcast one. This episode you'll be able to find the show notes at letteringtutorial.com forward slash hand lettering podcast two. And so each episode that gets released, the number will just go up on the end. So it should make them nice and easy for, for you to find if you want to jump straight to some show notes for a specific episode. This episode will follow the same pattern as the first episode, where I will talk about a specific topic for a little while, and then move on to an inspiration section. In the inspiration section, I will feature a lettering artist that stands out, and a specific piece of lettering work that I recommend you have a little look at. I'll also recommend an inspiring quote, So if you're a bit stuck for inspiration or if you're looking for things to letter, then this quote will hopefully be of use to you. It's not too long, so it's a suitable quote for beginners as well. 
And then finally, I'll move on to a quick question and answer section where I will respond to your handwritten questions. Right, let's get on to the good stuff and start talking about beginners, hand lettering tools and equipment. It might be that you're a complete beginner when it comes to hand lettering and you feel completely overwhelmed about the choice of tools out there. You're not sure what to start with, what to invest in, and it can be a bit difficult and confusing at times. It might be that you've got a little bit more experience under your belt at hand lettering, but you're still perhaps not aware of all the different tools out there, what you actually really do need, what you can get away without, etc. So the aim of this episode is to give you a bit more insight into the tools out there, what the essentials are, and hopefully you'll pick up a couple of tips from me along the way too. I'm going to start by talking about pencils, and you might think there's probably not a lot to know about pencils, but you'll be surprised what you can pick up and what a difference it can make by using the right pencil. When it comes to drawing in pencils, there's a few things you'll want to take into consideration. The first is the sharpness of the pencil. So when it comes to drawing out letters, often you'll want to get detail that's perhaps quite small, or you'll want to get just you know thin, fine lines in. And if you've got a pencil that's too thick, then that's going to be really difficult to do and really difficult to get accurate, and you'll find yourself redrawing and redrawing and redrawing. The other thing to take into consideration is the hardness of the pencil. So if you're going to just retrace your lettering work, so you start on one bit of paper, then you get a bit of tracing paper and go over the top, then it doesn't really matter too much about the level of hardness of the pencil. Uh, as long as you can see it through the tracing paper, <laughs> uh, then it, it really doesn't make too much difference. But if you're going to be reworking it on the same piece of paper and rubbing out as you go, readjusting, redrawing, rubbing it out, readjusting, redrawing, then you might want to consider the type of lead that you use in a pencil because certain leads will wear through the paper very quickly, some will be difficult to rub out and redraw over, so that's a big consideration. There are a few ways to go about getting a sharp tip on a pencil in order to be able to draw detail and fine lines with. And the first is to use a mechanical pencil. So those are the kind where the lead is the same thickness all the way down, it's very very fine. Uh, the lead can break quite easily as well so you can actually sharpen it but because it's so narrow it always kind of retains this sharp fine tip to it. Uh, they've got the clicky ends as well where you can push the lead down, uh, hopefully you know, <laughs> you know the kind I mean. Uh, so they can be really useful for um, drawing in detail on fine thin lines. So they're a good consideration. An alternative to a mechanical pencil is a clutch pencil, or also known as a lead holder. I think it depends where in the world you come from as to which one it goes by, but it'll either usually be a clutch pencil or a lead holder. And that works similarly to a mechanical pencil. It's got a lead that runs down the middle that you can kind of adjust the, the height of by pressing and holding a button uh, and that loosens the grip of the pencil end on the lead 
and it will adjust the length that you get that comes out. And that too, if you invest in a good sharpener, um, there is a special variety that you need for a clutch pencil because they've got a very, very fine lead. So a regular pencil sharpener wouldn't be suitable to use, uh, but you can pick up the, the sharpeners very cheaply and um, that can give you a really, really nice sharp tip. And the advantage over the mechanical pencil is that a clutch pencil will let you apply a bit more pressure so you can press a bit harder where the lead's a little bit thicker. So if you're looking for a darker line then that can be a good way to go. You can also get a bit of a flat edge going on them so if you wear the lead down enough you will lose a bit of that sharp tip but it can give you a bit of a flat edge so if you're trying to draw like a thicker kind of a curved line out it can be good for that. So it's it's a bit universal, the clutch pencil, compared to the mechanical one. You can also buy varying hardness of lead for the clutch pencil. So you can get HB, 2B, 4B and so on. So you can adjust the darkness of the line as well. Whereas the mechanical pencils, I think the range of leads that you can get for those tends to be a bit more limited in terms of hardness. Uh, you can however get varying thicknesses for the mechanical pencils, anything I think as small as about 0.3 millimeters which is incredibly thin up to I think about 0.8 or 0.12 something like that depending which brand you go with. So you can get a variation of thin line there. You can also use just a good old regular pencil just be wary that you do need quite a sharp tip to get accurate lines so you might find yourself having to sharpen it a bit more frequently than you would if you were drawing something else or writing something down so that's just something to keep in mind. In terms of uh, hardness of pencil um, and darkness of pencil which we sort of briefly mentioned already um, a HB pencil is going to give you just a kind of a standard hardness. Anything else that starts with H and goes up from HB, that's going to give you a harder line, which then if you are trying to erase and rework your drawing, it's going to leave an indent in the paper if it does erase, but you might find where it's so hard, it won't, it won't erase from the paper. And you can go the same with um, the B's as well into pencils. So if you, for example, used, uh, let's say, a 6B pencil, that's going to give you a very dark line because there's more graphite in the pencil lead. And as a result, that might be quite difficult to erase out as well. So I think if you're reworking your lettering and you're rubbing it out and you're not tracing it through, then probably a HB or a 2B pencil are going to be your best bet to use because they're going to be easy to erase and they're not going to leave too much of a mess behind on the paper. And then when it comes to tracing, you again want something you can see through the paper and that's, that's the main priority. So harder pencils can sometimes leave a a fainter line so you're probably better off looking at a HB 
or a 2, 2H pencil maybe, or you can go into the Bs and maybe consider a, a 2B or a 4B. Just remember if you use a 4B it will get a bit softer because of the higher graphite content and it might be that little bit more challenging to get a thin accurate line if you're using a softer pencil. So those are some things to take into consideration regarding pencils. You may have known some of that already or maybe you didn't know <laughs> there was all that much to using a pencil but it can make a big difference to your outlines. There's nothing more frustrating than when you've kind of drawn um, a letter and you find that bits of it are quite thick and thin where the end of the pencil is not all that sharp and then you find you've got to rub it out and you draw it to try and get it straighter and more accurate or more curved. When using a pencil you're guaranteed to be wanting to use some paper also and there are again a few considerations there when it comes to using paper. So for most lettering, just standard plain printer paper, the sort of cheap stuff you buy to stock your printer with will be absolutely adequate, especially if you're planning to perhaps digitise the lettering and you're not even fussed really about the paper copy as the end product. If you are trying to put together a nice lettering piece that maybe you're giving somebody as a gift and you want it to look nice, then you might then consider using a nicer paper. But for most general practice work uh, and things that you're going to further digitise, then cheap printer paper is absolutely fine. You will find that smoother paper can make a difference to your lettering. So, for example, Strathmore Bristol Smooth Paper, which is very, very smooth, it is a, a more premium paper, but that can make a big difference to the way you draw lines especially when using things like ink pens and uh, ink because you just get a really smooth surface. There's no grooves in the paper for your tools to get kind of caught in as you're drawing out a line or a curve and it can give you a slightly smoother, more accurate line. But it's, it's something that's quite small to notice. So for practice, like I say, normal paper will get you by quite fine. When you're practicing things like brush lettering, script and calligraphy, you might want to consider using a grid paper where you've got all the grids. I know I used to use it in school, in maths. I don't really know, to be honest, what difference it made <laughs> compared to using just plain line paper, but we're always encouraged to use it. But it's actually really helpful for uh, script practice, um, brush lettering practice, anything really that you're drawing on a slant it can be really helpful for. It can be useful for normal hand lettering practice as well when you're just illustrating out letters because you've got those lines there as a bit of a guide to keep your lettering level. So it's definitely worth an investment early on. Uh, you can also buy specific uh, calligraphy practice paper that's got diagonal lines across it so that you can keep your lettering at an angle. That can be a little bit on the pricey side though and if you want to get hold of some paper with guides on basically to practice on including grid and uh, angled lines for either brush lettering practice or calligraphy practice you can actually get some free guides by signing up to my newsletter so if you go to letteringtutorial.com forward slash newsletter 
um, pop your email in there, uh, you'll get sent some free guides that you can then print out as many times as you like and practice on as many times as you like. Um, there's a few different variations in there to help depending on what sort of level you're at uh, with lettering. When it comes to using ink products on paper, that's something you will want to take into consideration as different paper can, um, what's known as bleed, basically, which sounds pretty brutal and gruesome, <laughs> but it's basically where you draw a line in ink or maybe you're using a, a brush pen, not a calligraphy pen, and um, you find that the ink kind of spans out from the initial mark that you've put. I think some people describe it as kind of spider webbing out. It's, it's sort of just spreading into the paper. That's all that's happening. And different papers will hold ink in different ways. My favourite ever paper to draw on is like the brown craft paper that you can get. I absolutely love drawing on that. I think it's because I get a bit intimidated by just the big blank white clean sheet whereas the brown's got a little bit of texture to it and it's not bright white <laughs> and for some some reason I just find it a lot easier to draw on and work with but for lettering unfortunately it's not so good because you can't trace through it uh, very easily at all um, with a light box or anything like that and it also or the ones that I I have uh, seem to bleed really badly when I use ink on it as well which is a bit of a shame because it's great for pencil stuff but it doesn't seem to like my ink um, it could be the particular ink that I've tried using on it because that can make a difference too um, but it is good to invest in some paper that's designed to hold ink so you'll find that some of the cheaper printer paper will absorb ink in not such a good way when you obviously print it's it's applied to the paper a bit differently and not quite so heavily but when you're using say a calligraphy pen on it you might find that it does bleed um, a little bit too much so the best way there really is just to experiment with different papers watercolour paper can be quite good because it's obviously designed to hold like looser wetter stuff on the surface so that can be a good one to invest in. But then the disadvantage to water paper, uh, watercolour paper, sorry, is that it's got lots of grooves, which are known as teeth, in the paper. And then if, obviously if you're trying to draw something smoothly across the top, your pen, so you're using a calligraphy pen, can get kind of caught in these grooves as you're dragging it down and give you a bit of a jarred line. So there is no one amazing paper out of them all that stands out for doing that sort of thing with. It's just a case of getting perhaps a couple of different watercolour papers to try, maybe trying a couple of different printer type paper brands because some are slightly different quality and some will hold ink better than others and just experiment and you'll find that that can obviously make quite a big impact on your lettering. When it comes to tracing paper there isn't really one brand again that's the go-to brand for hand lettering. Some people prefer it where it's all cut up ready to use and you just lay it over the top of your existing bit of paper and trace through. Uh, some people use big rolls of it and they just tear off sheets to suit the size that they're working on and trace that way. I 
probably imagine it's actually better value if you buy it in a big roll that's not chopped up already and you can just use it as and when you want but there again there's no right or wrong wrong thing there as long as you use one that you can see through <laughs> and trace accurately through then then you don't need to worry with that another kind of paper that's quite popular in the lettering world to use is what's known as layout paper layout paper is a bit thinner than regular paper so it's got a higher transparency level now when I was at uni I had to do a what was it? It was three small modules of different areas of sort of the art world, um, and then choose one to specialise in for a while after. And one of the areas I chose was fashion, and we had to draw uh, fashion models and draw clothes on them and kind of watercolour it in. And for that, we used layout paper because it was quite easy to see. The, the outline of the model through that and then trace over the top and then watercolour on the top so it will hold ink as well and there's a few different brands out there and different sizes as well and you want to really get at least an A4 sized layout paper book really uh, any smaller and you perhaps won't fit as much on the paper as you could a lot of people do use an A3 one because it gives you that bigger amount of space so that if you say you're writing something in calligraphy you can spread out as much as you want or if you're drawing something in hand lettering gives you more arm space as well to move around with so that's another option and some people use it as an alternative to tracing paper Rubbers are often a tool that are kind of maybe taken for granted a little bit in the lettering world. You sort of use them, they're always there. But there's actually a few options when it comes to rubbers as well that can make your life a little bit easier. So you've got your standard rubber, and when I say rubber I realise probably some, <laughs> some from the US might be listening to this and you know them as erasers. So rubbers or erasers. Um, either or. So you take your rubber and you just use it and often they're not that small so if you're trying to erase something that's quite small or fine or detailed you can end up losing a lot of what you've drawn around that thing and then have to redraw it again which can be a bit inconvenient. So there's a few things that you can do with rubbers or erasers the first is you can buy, don't obviously spend mega bucks on a rubber or razor to then chop it up, but you can buy cheap ones and pretty much any rubber or razor does the same thing. And you can actually chop it into small kind of triangular pieces, which can then give you a bit of an actual sharp tip to the rubber. And then if you're trying to get into a piece of lettering, like a corner of a bit of lettering that's really small and narrow you can just use this tip that you've created on the rubber to rub that out and that can make life a lot easier and speed your lettering up significantly when you're making tweaks and changes to it. Another thing you can do is invest in a putty rubber well that's what they're known as <laughs> in the UK I think they're known as kneadable erasers uh, elsewhere 
and they can be really useful because you can, similarly to chopping up a normal eraser or rubber, you can just pull pieces of them off and roll them up into little balls or roll them up so that you can create kind of a, a tip to it and then use that to raise out small bits. Just be wary because after a while the little rolled off bits you create of them can get a bit grey with the pencil lead and you need to discard it because it will end up putting more on the paper than it takes off otherwise. Finally, you can buy, which I think they're a slightly more modern invention. They certainly, I don't think, were around when I was at school doing art and design. But um, you can buy, they, they're shaped like pencils or like mechanical pencils, but they've got a rubber or a razor in the end instead of any kind of lead. And you can, I think, adjust how much comes out by clicking the end. Or you can get ones as well that have got batteries in them that will make the rubber spin round on the end. And that can obviously take off the pencil without you having to rub backwards and forwards. And you can get those in varying different sizes, I believe. And they can be quite useful too. So there's a few considerations there with rubbers and any one of those options really can make things instantly a lot easier for you if you've just been using a big old chunky eraser or rubber with just the bit kind of rubbed off the corner where you've just used it before and you're, you're taking your drawing away so you don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> I previously talked about guides and if you're not too fussed about buying guides or guide paper even, or printing out uh, the guides that um, I give with my newsletter, you can always draw out your own guides on paper and to do that you'll want to use a ruler. There aren't many things to keep in mind with rulers, they, they are pretty straightforward. You want one that's ideally the width of at least an A4 piece of paper because that's probably what you're going to be drawing on the most and that's going to make your life easier if you can do it all in one line not have to draw a bit then line it up and do the rest of the line. So that's the first thing to keep in mind. Secondly, it can make life a lot easier if you've got a transparent ruler. The ruler I use isn't, it's a lot narrower though than a, a wide ruler, which I think is the kind of standard format they come in these days. And even mine, even though it's only about a centimeter in width, it still can be a little bit of a nuisance sometimes because I can't always see the guideline that I've drawn through underneath if the ruler's over the top of it. So definitely go with a clear ruler if you're investing in one of those and you don't already have one. And the final thing to just keep in mind is you can get shatterproof rulers nowadays, which, I mean, if you don't drop your stuff much, <laughs> isn't really going to make much difference to you, but it's still something useful to have because they do break. I've just noticed that the time length for this episode is slowly starting to add up. So what I'm going to do, I've decided, is actually split this into two parts. So this episode is going to be part one. And then the third episode, which should be out in about two weeks, will be part two. Because there's still brush lettering pens, calligraphy pens, calligraphy nibs, different inks you can use for calligraphy printers and light boxes to talk about yet so <laughs> there's still a few things to uh, to talk about so 
I don't want to obviously overwhelm you with a load of information all at once, so it'll probably be a lot easier for you to take in if it is actually split across two episodes, rather than me talking for about another half an hour on it. So uh, keep an eye out for part two in a couple of weeks on that. I'm going to move on now to inspiration and hopefully get you feeling a bit inspired. The last episode's inspiring quote was relevant to getting started with lettering. This one could be seen as being relevant to learning about lettering. So here it is. Always desire to learn something useful. And it's by Sophocles, who was, I believe, an ancient Greek playwright or writer. I think he was a bit like the kind of ancient Greek version of Shakespeare, maybe. Um, there's probably some historians out there that are like, no, no, no. <laughs> I think it's something similar to that anyway. I thought it was an appropriate quote to choose because it references learning and hopefully you are learning from this podcast, but also because again it's not too bad for beginners. It's a little bit longer than the last episode's quote, it's six words, uh, so it should challenge you a little bit, but it's not over that amount of words where it becomes really difficult to actually letter. There's also three great keywords in there that you can place a bit of emphasis on when lettering, which is desire, learn and useful. So those can all have a bit more emphasis going on in them because they are the, the keywords of the quote. Uh, if you'd like to share what you do in terms of lettering with that quote, I'd love to see. Uh, so you can share things through my Facebook page. Uh, if you go to facebook.com forward slash lettering tutorial, uh, you can find the lettering tutorial Facebook page there and post on that. Uh, Twitter, if you tag me, it's at lettering tute. And Instagram, if you want to tag any of your lettering work on there as well, you can use at lettering tutorial. So, um, yeah, it would be great to see what you come up with with that one. I'm so excited to talk about this episode's featured lettering artist, as he's such a great guy, he's really helpful, very inspiring, and I definitely recommend, if you haven't come across him already, to check him out. He, If you sign up to his newsletter, he offers to answer your questions if you respond back to him, which is really useful, especially when you're trying to get to grips with lettering, or if there's things you want to know. So this episode's featured artist is Scotty Russell. Scotty's been lettering for a little while now and he's got a very, very distinct and unique style of lettering. If you're generally browsing, I find, follow me on Instagram and I find that I can browse through my Instagram feeds and I'll usually spot his work and know it's his before I've even seen his name at all. Uh, he uses perspective an awful lot in his work, so his lettering isn't just kind of from a front-on angle, you get all sorts of different angles. He also incorporates illustration work to his lettering, so it's not just words, you get illustrations too, and it's really diverse. A lot of thought goes into his lettering work, and it's a lot of it is just really, really clever. He did a brilliant piece about pizza, um, which isn't the one I'm actually going to feature on this episode, but definitely look for that too. Uh, I won't give too much away, but it's, a, it's an amazing quote and it's just really funny. 
The piece of work I'd like to highlight in this episode, created by Scotty, contains the words Prisoner of the Mind. The lettering just looks really nice. It's been done very well. There's some really nice thin and thick lines on the letters. There's these two really gorgeous R's in Prisoner. It's definitely worth having a look at just for the lettering. But besides that, there's a very clever illustration that's gone with it too. The illustration contains the back of a man's shoulders and head, and there's a cutout in the back of the man's skull with little bars going down it and little hands holding onto the bars, implying that there is actually a prisoner in the mind. Uh, there's an article too that Scotty wrote that supports this uh, lettering piece on his Perspective Collective website. And um, it's quite an insightful article, and it talks all about creativity, anxiety. Uh, Scotty talks about some of his own experiences with anxiety. I think it's definitely, if you've ever experienced stress or anything like that, whether it's linked with creativity or not, I think it's definitely worth a read, because uh, it certainly gives some pointers in it that can help manage stress too. I'll definitely put a link up to the feature piece of artwork in the show notes for this episode, along with a link to Scotty's Perspective Collective website where you can then find the blog article on anxiety and creativity. Again, Scotty's definitely one to follow if you're not already because he will give you a really fresh insight into hand lettering. A lot of what you see in the lettering world is the same you see often the same words that have been lettered over and over again uh, there's certain trends that catch on that follow through but Scotty kind of does his own thing and it really does stand out so I think you can certainly learn an awful lot from him finally we'll wrap things up with the Q&A for this episode so I've had a couple of questions sent in this time and they're from the same person they're from Spain, and I do apologise in advance if I get the pronunciation of their name wrong. I think it's Nacho. Um, so Nacho has asked, does the paper you draw make any difference along the process or in the results? So we have actually covered this um, a little bit in the episode and how paper can make a difference in terms of if it's really smooth, you can get stronger lines without kind of wobbly bits in them. And also, if you use different types of paper for inking, then you can obviously get some that bleed more than others. So those are the those are the main differences really to the end result. There's not a lot otherwise. I mean, in terms of colour, that can sometimes make a difference. If you're lettering something out and you put it on a different coloured background, um, that can sometimes finish a piece off. It depends perhaps what colour your lettering is as well as to how well that works in contrast against a different coloured piece of paper. But those are the main considerations really uh, when it comes to paper. So I hope that's answered that one for you Nacho. Smooth paper for smooth lines and watercolour paper for lack of or less <laughs> bleeding when using inks really. Then the next question that Nacho has asked is Almost every letterer that I follow recommends microns, but they are really hard to get in my country. 
I was able to get them online, but no stationery shop in Madrid where I live and is the capital of the country sells them or even knows about them. Do you know of any reliable alternatives? Could you explain why do you all love them so much? So that is a really good question and it is very true. Many, many, many letterers <laughs> will use micron pens. And the reason is because, well, there are three main reasons why microns really do stand out. The first is that they use archival ink. And archival ink is um, it's a kind of ink that doesn't fade as significantly over time as non-archival ink does, so it lasts a lot longer. So that's one of the main reasons. A second reason is because, um, as we've spoken about in this episode, they don't bleed too much when you're using them on most paper. You don't get too much fuzz along the edge of the line where the ink starts to spread. They kind of keep their ink to them, the line that you've put down, which is obviously useful, especially when you're outlining things, because the last thing you want is for ink to just be spreading all over the place and blurring those really nice lines that you've put in. And then thirdly, they're very useful as well because they come in such a variety of different size tips. So you can get from anything as small as 0.05 or 0.05, I forget which, which it is now. I could probably just grab mine from behind me. But <laughs> um, They come in a very, very fine tip and they go up to um, sort of 0.8 and above, I think. So you can get a really good amount of variety with the size tips, which can obviously be useful depending on what you're lettering. So those, I think, are the three main reasons why they're used so much by letterers. And there are a few different alternative brands around in terms of fine, fine tip pens or fine liners, as they're sometimes known as well. And there isn't one specific one, really, that I can recommend as an alternative, but if it matches that criteria that I've just discussed, if they use archival ink and it comes in a variety of different tips and it doesn't bleed too much, then you've probably found yourself a good alternative. If you just want to use the fine line pens for mostly practice work, then the archival element might not really matter too much to you. So you probably don't really care if your lettering work survives for hundreds and hundreds of years. So maybe make the focus just the size of the tips and whether it bleeds too much or not. Those are probably the two most important things if it's just for lettering practice. So my recommendation would be to go to a local stationery shop pick out a couple of different branded fine line pens with different size tips and just experiment and see um, what you find in terms of you know whether the, the line bleeds too much when you ink on different paper. If you do happen to find anything um, along those lines that's really useful please do feel free to share it with me. Uh, you can do so using ask at letteringtutorial.com as it would be great to hear what other alternatives there are out there besides microns for perhaps a kind of European catchment area that are doing hand lettering. So I hope that's answered your questions, Nacho. Um, hopefully it's given you a bit more insight into things and certainly cleared up why letterers seem to like micron pens 
quite as much as they do. So that brings us now to the end of the episode. I will say a second before I forget completely. <laughs> if you do have any questions that you'd like to send in for me to do my best to answer, then you can send them to ask at letteringtutorial.com. It would be really fantastic to hear what you want to know about. It might even be a case if I'm able to shape an entire podcast episode around it if it's a big enough kind of topic to focus on. So that brings us to the end of this podcast episode. I again really hope that it's been beneficial to you and that you've enjoyed it. And I hope you're looking forward to part two now with the second instalment of lettering tools and equipment. If you have enjoyed the show, please could I ask that you leave an honest review on iTunes or if you're using Stitcher, Stitcher, uh, because it will help me, uh, it will help people to find the podcast because there's so many now <laughs> on places like iTunes and they can get just buried. Um, so if you leave a review, it can help others to actually find it because it brings it more to iTunes' attention and it also can help me to shape future episodes if you leave some feedback or some comments on things perhaps you'd like to see in the show or things you've enjoyed from the show so it all helps Um, so that would be amazing if you could do that it's been a lot of fun and thank you so much for listening again it really does mean a lot to me to know that there are people listening in and getting something helpful out of this podcast series I will see you again shortly for the next episode. Bye for now.